automakers and tech companies working on autonomous vehicle technology for so-called robo-taxis have found themselves stuck in the dreaded trough of disillusionment. You know the trough. It's where artificial intelligence or cryptocurrency or virtual reality developers have found themselves too. It means that technological progress is hard to spot and there aren't many believers. It was a tough year, a painful year, a lot more cash burned uh, without much payoff. It's a familiar story to Amir Afradi, the information's executive editor who has been one of the AV sector's fiercest muckrakers. There are a ton of real-world challenges that have upended those robo-taxi dreams. But the stakes are only getting higher. Companies in the sector, from LiDAR makers to trucking startups, are starting to get a ton more cash, thanks to public listings and SPACs. That will put them firmly in the public market spotlight. That's going to present its own challenges. Short sellers are going to be there watching. There's going to be real financial consequences when deadlines are missed. This is The 411. I'm Corey Weinberg. On today's episode, we bring you highlights from the Information's fifth annual Autonomous Vehicles Summit. We have two interviews for you that Amir did, where he asked his own questions and fielded some from the event's virtual attendees. The first interview is with Brian Zaleski, the CEO of Argo AI, a self-driving car startup backed by Ford that is testing about 150 prototype autonomous vehicles in places like Miami, Austin, and Pittsburgh. Zaleski said Argo AI is looking to go public within the next year. The second interview is with Tim Kentley Clay, who was fired as the founding CEO of self-driving car startup Zooks before it sold to Amazon last year. He recently founded a new self-driving car startup called Hyper. I wanted to know, you know, given that we're we're in this kind of a uh, strange period of disillusionment in press and among some technologists. Um, what gives you the confidence to know that what you're building is is going to work? You know, yeah, the media has been pretty harsh on uh, sort of the AV sector, right? But I, I would say that all that opportunity is still there. And at least at Argo, we've always said this is going to be a multi-year you know, a multi-potentially even decade-long thing to achieve. I'm happy to say that everything that we set out to do in 2017, um, we're continuing to forge on. We've made great progress. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to commercializing this and starting out in those businesses and working. We're actively working with real customers today. We haven't announced those pilots, but um, have had really great validation um, in those pilots that we've run uh, this year and, and will continue to do. But is there is there anything kind of specific about the the software, something that's giving you confidence that you're heading in the right direction? Yeah, so 100%. I mean, we, when we started out in 17, we were operating in some of the hardest cities to drive in. And uh, a lot of people kind of that turned some heads, right? But we went where the demand is, where we know we can stand up a great business. And now, four years later, we're regularly driving uh, without any takeovers or disengagements in some of these tough miles. We're dealing with construction, you know, intersections where humans are not behaving according to the rules at all, um, double, triply parked vehicles, traffic lights that are out, um, 
you know, stop signs that have fallen down <laughs> the whole, the whole nine yards. Right. And uh, it's, it's just, it's really incredible how much progress the team has made. And um, you know, as we continue our testing and development, we're going to continue to improve that system. But I, I think the next stage now beyond just the technology questions the, uh, is okay. Now who's going to build and uh, put together uh, a, a truly profit generating business around this technology, right? And, and what to go after. Um, and you see, you see a lot of folks active in, in trucking and, 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 and that's something we're also looking at, but where we're really, where we've been focused since 17 has been on that urban core where there's a lot of trips. Um, there's a lot of demand. There's a high amount of utilization over a large uh, time window to do work, whether that be delivering goods, moving people, uh, going address to address, and you know that opportunity remains huge. So, in in terms of your your approach, uh, obviously, I'm sure you you saw Waymo move a lot of its efforts to San Francisco, or some of its efforts to San Francisco. Uh, you've always taken this this kind of multi city approach and and had kind of a more urban uh, testing environment that you focused on. Do you feel like some of the the players in this field erred in in focusing so much on the suburbs? Well, I, I think that uh, every company has its own uh, objectives, right? For, for us, it was about uh, making sure that we could build a business around around the miles that we were automating, and then um, making sure that we go after that, right? Because in any sort of robotic system development, um, it, it becomes really easy to start to sort of teach to kind of the miles that you're operating in, and and then the system starts to find like this local minima where it will only ever operate on those miles. And so what we wanted to do is throw a lot of diversity at the system from the get-go and make sure that we weren't um, overfitting to any particular city. Uh, and, I, and I think we've effectively done that. And, you know, the most recent city that we added was Austin. And in a matter of about a month, we had that uh, city mapped and, and we're up and running. So, you know, that's, that's get, that gets to, um, you know, building it for scale from start. And that's something we really focused on when ever since we started the company. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, what you're, what you're looking for in an IPO and, you know, does it make sense for the public to fund this kind of research and development? So we're, uh, we're actively fundraising and, and uh, are going out this summer to raise a private round initially, and then we're looking forward to an IPO within the next year following that. The raise this year will definitely provide capital that uh, gives us plenty of runway and uh, will help us continue to uh, continue to scale out as long as, and I've said this in a few other forums, um, as long as the businesses are upfront about the risks, I don't think it's a bad thing to give people an opportunity to uh, get involved in investing in some of these earlier stage businesses that have such a huge amount of upside. Um, you know, making that available to more people and not just reserved for, you know, a, a small slice of our, you know, of, of the investment community to me is a good thing. You've always been much more measured in your public statements about what you were working on, what was how this was going to play out. Uh, other companies have been saying, oh, we're going to launch driverless this and that next year or in six months or whatever, and it never happens. Where are you? I know you're not big on timelines, but what's your what's your feeling for when the public will get access to any of your products and technology that you're building? 
Yeah, you'll you'll see it over the next uh, 24 months uh, in small deployments in those cities that that we mentioned, um, you know, specifically Miami, Austin, D.C. And uh, I've always said that it's ready when it's ready. We follow the data. I mean, we're actively working the safety case and the testing um, uh, story that that you know, making sure that it represents the good work that the team has done um, and will continue to do. I've also said that cities, those relationships are really important, right? So we want to make sure that this is done very thoughtfully and that it's done in concert with uh, local governments. Everybody understands what we're doing, the service we're offering, um, how it works, uh, law enforcement and uh, first responders, making sure that they're fully aware and know how to respond you know, the, there's this engagement is something that must be done uh, in partnership. Uh, and it can't be, it, it's not like a typical, you know, piece of just software that you can kind of instantly scale when you're ready to launch. That, that isn't what this business is. So in South Beach, are you better than the average human? So the, the data that we have uh, today says that we've uh, approached that of a human driver and are working our way towards being better. Yes. And it's, huh. it's, it's a pretty solid case. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, from, I think people's experience, certainly in places like Phoenix and San Francisco, a lot of the headaches are around uh, prototypes that stop short and, and get, you know, rear-ended, for instance, the kind of hesitancy of a vehicle. So I, I think, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that that's one of the challenges you have since you're trying to be careful and not hit things head on. So you stop short, presumably, right? Uh, I, I don't know what you mean by stop short, but I, I, I mean, we certainly do maintain a safe following distance. And I would say humans don't <laughs> by and large. So, um, but yeah, you have to look at it on a case by case basis, right? Um, uh, but you're right. I mean, you can't, you can't build a an autonomous vehicle that's constantly tapping the brakes and, and making these sort of unnatural uh, movements. And that's something that, uh, you know, we take a lot of, we put a lot of focus on for sure. Okay. Welcome back everyone. We are uh, here with Tim Kentley Clay. Last time he was here, a couple of years ago, he was running Zooks, which is now Amazooks. Tim has gone on and started a company called Hyper, which I really do not know a lot about. So uh, without further ado, welcome, Tim. You've been at this for, for a while. You, you came over from Australia, did all the research about the autonomous vehicle field, got into it pretty deep. Uh, we can come back to Zooks in, in a second, but tell us a little bit about what you're building today. You know, as you said, I've been now working in the field of autonomous mobility for, for about 10 years, actually, since I did the first Zooks of Zooks sketch vehicle and, you know, seen a few things over that time, learn a few things. And, you know, I think what we've seen recently is uh, the software stacks kind of asymptoting, which is gating the technology from going prime time in, in mega cities. And perhaps the reason for that is that they're predominantly hand-coded probabilistic systems that require software engineers to adjust weights to try and get through cities. And the thing is that self-driving is a really complex problem. And when you have a really complex problem, at a certain point, those sort of processes tend to asymptote. Whereas what we've seen in machine learning, particularly reinforcement learning in adjacent verticals, uh, such as AlphaStar, AlphaGo, what DeepMind's doing in chess and Atari games, is that by creating an iterative framework that interacts with its environment, we can get to superhuman performance. So rather than trying to hand code everything, we actually uh, let the reinforcement learning agent uh, build its own paradigms of how to move through the environment. 
timelines are always tricky, but what timelines are you operating under and how are you evaluating the performance of your system? Yeah, good question. I mean, at the moment, you know, we're a baby company. Um, we're in like hardcore R&D mode and we're really just phasing out the, the algorithms themselves. But we're really happy with that progress. You know, we, we've gone to the racing track um, because we have a controlled environment where the hardware can experiment without, you know, risk of, of anyone being around the vehicle. And also you have a very clear objective function on the racing track, which is go around as fast as possible. So with our reinforcement learning algorithms, where there's a reward function for increasing time, increasing speed over time on the track and getting negative reward for driving off the track. For example, we've seen emergent behavior come out of the system where it learns to drive an optimal racing line, which was never put in there as a prior or heuristic. So that's really exciting work. And then in parallel, we're, we're also uh, retrofitting some smart cars that we've made self-driving. And on Alameda later in this year, we're going to have a little self-driving car, car fleet rocking around doing urban driving. Because, you know, the thing I'd emphasize is the, these algorithms are actually abstract. You know, it's computational intelligence. It's about setting the right frameworks. And then you put it on a robot in a particular environment, and it builds the intelligence to conquer that environment. Um, which is kind of cool, whether it's racing or urban driving or potentially something else. Yeah, obviously, you were at Zooks, you built that company, you were um, let, let go and, and obviously had, had a lot to say about that, given in part because the system that you did build, by all accounts, is pretty good and com- competitive with where a lot of the other, even more capitalized companies were, to be fair. But what, is there anything that you kind of learned from that experience now that you've had some time to reflect on it, what is the kind of one thing that that really that you still think about when you think about your time at Zoots? What went well? What didn't go well? Are you ultimately happy with the the outcome that they had? You know, Zooks took on an epic challenge. You know, from day one, we said the right way to do this is to reinvent the vehicle, build a software stack, and create a mobile mobility service. And uh, we were highly criticized by a lot of people for, for taking on too much for doing that. But we actually thought actually entwining those three things is, is actually the secret to our success. And I'm super proud that in, in four years from zero, you know, I think when we started Zooks, it really was only Google X slash Waymo, you know, but by comparison, you know, I'm really happy that in four years, you know, we, we had a, a ground up fully engineered robo taxi uh, in pro- prototype tooling and testing. We had retrofits uh, doing self-driving in, in San Francisco as good or better than anyone else. And we build the brand and the app and the ecosystem. And we did that, you know, grew the company to 500 people in four years uh, for $300 million spend. Whereas I think Uber spent, you know, multiple billions over a similar time period just working on the software. And so it was a really good tri- team that, that came together to do that. But that level of change creates a lot of pressure. You know, when, you, when you're really changing things that much, you know, Zooks is really pulling 10 years from the future, not two or five. It creates a lot of conflict and a lot of questions. And, you know, unfortunately, when Zooks was going through hypergrowth, you know, I think those pressures came out in a way that was suboptimal to the, the true value of the company. Um, but change is a really messy process. But that's how progress is made, you know. And I'm actually happy that Zooks didn't SPAC. <laughs> you know, I think oh, it would really? have been. Oh yeah, I, I'm not a fan of SPACs. I think that would have undercapitalized the business significantly. I think it's, you know, all things considered, you know, it's it's good that it's under Amazon's um, headship. 
Uh, I know Jeff really wants to build the product, which is great, and we all want to see that product go to market because it re- really is just a gorgeous robot, and it's it was very thoughtfully constructed to solve mobility for megacities in an environmentally conscious way, in a safe way, in a way that's a great product experience. You know, it hasn't even got to market yet, and we've already had a competitor knock it off. That's, that's how good it is. <laughs> Very flattering. You know, so we really want to see that little robot, the Zook Spot, get to market. You know, it's, it has a marvelous future. And to Are do you, that, we just need to be a good team. You referring to Cruise there? You bet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, Tim, thank you for the time. Good luck in your efforts, and we'll see you soon. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. A big thank you to Keenan Kush for producing today's episode. Have a great weekend, everybody.